this uh, platform has been planned for a long time. And to be totally honest, it was placed here on this particular Sunday uh, to raise your interest in the Greater Washington Immigration Film Festival. Some of you know Patty Absher and Judith Johnson, who have been among the organizers of that film festival. And so you know what happens when Patty or Judith comes and asks you to do something. What, what would you do if Patty and Judith... You'd say yes, yes, you'd just say yes. And so Patty and Judith and I talked about how and what I might talk about that would link in. And, and you know... I really do hope that you go to the Greater Washington Immigration Film Festival. I think it's going to be quite remarkable. The films that they have chosen to show that weekend in October, it's the 24th and 25th, are well-chosen, fabulous films, thoughtful. In many cases, they have the filmmakers coming for a panel afterward. They've been raising money so that other than the gala on Saturday night, every single film is free. And one of them will be right here uh, at Wes on Friday evening, the 24th. So I do, I want you to be interested. I want this platform to work in that way. And I want you, hopefully, to go and reserve your tickets. They're free, but they need reservations. So they'll be in the lobby after platform. So so I really mean it. I hope you do that. I'm going to be going to the film here at Wes, and I'll go to the gala as well Saturday And I hope to see lots of West folks here. The film festival has actually been so exciting that they won a big national grant to put it on from the Unitarian Universalist Association. So I know that there's interest far beyond our walls, but I want to make sure our walls show up too. So originally when I planned this talk, I thought that I would um, give kind of a treatise on immigration policy. I figured, you know, I could have a couple of hours and just do a little research online, and then I'd be able to um, share with you the the whole realm of immigration policy, a really well-thought-out approach in America. It seems a little bit more complicated than that. But the truth is, as I tried to do that work, what really happened to me was that I got lost in the stories. I got lost in words. And so what I end up having for you today are a few of my own thoughts and a lot of words of others, others who have struggled with what it means to be America together. I got lost as I read in their struggles and in their words. First, though, I got lost in a very few words, words that are stuck to the back of my car where I see them every day. Some of you may have these words stuck on the back of your car, too. It's our West Bumper sticker. You can pick one up at the welcome table. I'm not sure if you can see it, but if you're listening on the podcast later, the bumper sticker says, the world is my country, to do good is my religion. It's a quote or part of a quote from Thomas Paine. I really love that bumper sticker. I get stopped about it all the time. People tell me how much they like it and how much they like the idea. But I know, too, that there are folks in this community, and I'm sure elsewhere, that struggle with the phrase, the world is my country. What does that mean? Of course, there are plenty of folks here, too, that might struggle with my religion is to do Good, to do good is my religion, the religion word being a little bit itchy. You should just be glad we left out the part of the quote that says, all mankind are my brethren, which we would definitely have had to have fixed. 
But those words there on the back of my car and the conversations that I've had with people about them has me thinking, what does it mean for the world to be my country? It has me thinking about borders. I think about state borders, as Perry said in his meditation, which sometimes feel like significant things to cross, indeed, those state borders. There can be cultural differences across them, and of course, jurisdictional differences. And sometimes those are meaningful differences. I think about marriage equality, state by state, right now. I think about access to reproductive health services, education systems. Those borders mean something to us often. And then, of course, there are national borders around our country. Do you remember what the Canadian border used to be like before 9-11 and the amped up homeland security? I felt like you could just kind of waltz across with your maple syrup, you know? And then the Mexican border, which was never quite like that, certainly not in my memory, not quite like that, when that country is poorer than ours and browner than ours. And so I think about the elements of racism in our immigration policies in the way we treat our borders. And of course, we've seen those elements all throughout our history of immigration in America, the quotas shifting and changing as our definitions have changed, our definitions of what you can look like to be American. We are not the only country with challenges and questions about our borders with shifting borders. My husband's family is Polish, and he spent three years living in Poland himself as a young adult. And so I've had conversations with him about what it means to be Polish, what that country means when slices of it have been something else for a lot of its history, and then it didn't really even exist at all, and then it was a state and it wasn't the way that borders shift and change, where your loyalties lie regardless of the borders. We think about the Middle East and the conflict so stuck there, the way borders have been drawn and redrawn, fought over again and again. And I wonder who draws the borders, you know, where those choices come from, the lines on our maps and all that they mean. And then I think about Scotland this past week. Boy, that was kind of a hoot to watch, wasn't it? There was a great cartoon that was uh, Nessie coming up, you know, from Loch Ness with her vote in her, I guess, mouth, because she's a, you know, water dragon. But, um, but you know, that, that border, a whole people choosing what a border is going to mean to them, what it's going to mean to cross the border, what the differences might be. I think about a friend of mine from college whose family is from Texas and has been uh, from the same area near San Antonio and then actually from um, further south for generations and generations. Her family now is termed Mexican-American, although they've stayed in the same place and the borders have just moved around them. So they've lived in Mexico and then America and then Mexico and America again. We are now and always have been, I think, living in, in a world, in an environment where the shifting borders and even the borders that stay there, where they call for a kind of cross-border engagement, international engagement. 
There are some structural ways we do that. Of course, the United Nations and the League of Nations before that, both created to respond to problems that required international cooperation, war in those cases. Earlier than that, though, one of the earliest kind of uh, international structures was in 1865 when the International Telegraph Union was created. I hadn't known about that. Now it's the International Telecommunications Union. But again, that sort of intersectionality of issues across national borders, the fluidity with which we approach those borders when we have to. I was thinking about the climate march in that way in New York today. All of those folks from West and all over, my mother's there. She got on a bus at, you know, four this morning. People gathering together to, to, to speak to our nation about a world problem, a problem that will surely only be solved if many nations come together to try to solve it. The Arctic ice and the ozone don't care where we have drawn the borders on our maps, where the lines are. And so then, in some ways, we do have a home that's, that's bigger and broader than the national borders that confine us. And so I come back to that idea of the bumper sticker, the world is my country, and I can see the rootedness there. But then I wonder, you know, is it really fully true that we're citizens of the world? Or is it more accurate to say that we're inhabitants of the world and some of us at least citizens of America? citizens of a particular country. And so I begin to wonder what it means to be American. There is, as we've talked about, quite a history of who gets to be called American, who has all the rights and privileges and responsibilities of citizenship. It's changed over the years. Mostly it's gotten broader and wider, the welcome Mostly, but not always. An opening Sunday here, I quoted from a very favorite poem of mine, a Langston Hughes poem called Let America Be America Again. It's one of the voices that I got lost in as I was thinking about this platform. And I want to share it with you. It's long, but I think you can stay with it. So I invite you, close your eyes if you like to, just listen to these words. Let America be America again. Let it be the dream it used to be. Let it be the pioneer on the plain seeking a home where he himself is free. America never was America to me. Let America be the dream the dreamers dreamed. Let it be that great strong land of love where never kings connive nor tyrants scheme that any man be crushed by one above. It never was America to me. O let my land be a land where liberty is crowned with no false patriotic wreath, but opportunity is real and life is free. Equality is in the air we breathe. There's never been equality for me nor freedom in this homeland of the free. Say, who are you that mumbles in the dark and who are you that draws your veil across the stars? I am the poor white fooled and pushed apart. I am the Negro bearing slavery's scars. 
I am the red man driven from the land. I am the immigrant clutching the hope I seek and finding only the same old stupid plan of dog eat dog of mighty crush the weak. I am the young man full of strength and hope tangled in that ancient endless chain of profit, power, gain, of grab the land, of grab the gold, of grab the ways of satisfying need, of work the men, of take the pay, of owning everything for one's own greed. I am the farmer bondsman to the soil. I am the worker sold to the machine. I am the Negro servant to you all. I am the people, humble, hungry, mean, hungry yet today despite the dream, beaten yet today. Oh, pioneers, I am the man who never got ahead, the poorest worker bartered through the years. Yet I'm the one who dreamt our basic dream in the old world while still a serf of kings, who dreamt a dream so strong, so brave, so true, that even yet its mighty daring sings in every brick and stone, in every furrow turned, that's made America the land it has become. Oh, I'm the man who sailed those early seas in search of what I meant to be my home. For I'm the one who left dark Ireland's shore and Poland's plain and England's grassy lea, and torn from black Africa's strand I came to build a homeland of the free. The free, who said the free? Not me, surely not me. The millions on relief today, the millions shot down when we strike, the millions who have nothing for our pay, for all the dreams we've dreamed and all the songs we've sung and all the hopes we've held and all the flags we've hung, the millions who have nothing for our pay except the dream that's almost dead today. Oh, let America be America again the land that never has been yet, and yet must be the land where every man is free, the land that's mine, the poor man's, Indians, Negroes, me, who made America, whose sweat and blood, whose faith and pain, whose hand at the foundry, whose plow in the rain must bring back our mighty dream again. Sure, call me any ugly name you choose. The seal of freedom does not stain. From those who live like leeches on the people's lives, we must take back our land again. America, oh yes, I say it plain. America never was America to me. And yet I swear this oath, America will be. Out of the rack and ruin of our gangster death, the rape and rot of graft and stealth and lies, we the people must redeem the land, the mines, the plants, the rivers, the mountains, and the endless plain. All, all the stretch of these great green states and make America again. I don't know how many times I have read those words. The poem holds for me all the pain and the promise of immigration in America, of America itself including, of course, those who didn't immigrate here at all, but who were brought here by force as slaves, and those, too, who, if they immigrated, did so millennia ago, long before borders as we know them, native peoples who have been in this land long before it was the country we think it is today. Held in those words, those words that I got lost in, is the possibility and hope 
the failing, the thinking that perhaps we can get there again. Immigration, or maybe more broadly, the coming together of many people from many places is so central to the American story, it's almost become a cliche, you know. We're a land of immigrants, and yet it's true. We have all these metaphors for what that might mean for us, for how it might look. The melting pot, now distinctly out of flavor, out of favor. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> distinctly, <laughs> distinctly out of favor because you lose your flavor <laughs> in the melting pot. All the pieces kind of uh, together like a soupy fondue, I guess. The tossed salad, I don't know if you've heard that one. Each piece is distinct, the carrot and the cucumber. And then I don't know if this is a real metaphor or if I made it up. I can't remember if I remembered it or just imagined it. But I think about a stew, you know, where every piece is distinct, but the flavors kind of enhance each other. Or maybe like a well-made salad. My salads are kind of terrible. You really don't feel like they go together. I'm not sure why all these metaphors are food. But, but still that story, that image of people who are different from each other coming together, trying to build or maybe to, to come into something already built, I'm not sure which. That story is in the stories we tell our children, the harmful stories, like the false or at least deeply complicated stories of Columbus and Thanksgiving, and also in the true and deeply complicated stories of grandparents and cousins and parents and siblings, great-great-grandparents who came here seeking refuge against their will, looking for a new beginning. I did actually research immigration policy, I'd like to say, for this platform, even though I mostly got lost in the words. There was an excellent summary from the Immigration Policy Center, an article by Mary uh, Giovanoli, and I liked the way she summarized it. She said, the biggest issues of immigration reform today are the need for an improved legal immigration system, this is a great phrase, an improved legal immigration system that is generous enough to discourage unauthorized immigration. I liked the way she put that. It made sense to me. And provide a solution for the 11 million unauthorized immigrants, those already here, allowing them to transition from an underground existence to lawful permanent residence and ultimately U.S. citizenship. That's how she described what the country faces. And the article talks about all of the different approaches that we might take as a country to address immigration, the piecemeal approaches and the the big comprehensive immigration reform that seemed last spring like it might be a possibility and is yet again out of our grasp. Her take on it is that we need any and all of those. We need the piecemeal approaches. That's fine. There are plenty of little fixes we can make. We need the comprehensive version as well. But even even as I read about that policy, it was the feelings, the words, the stories that I got lost in. 
I wondered, as I read some of those words, what makes someone American? What does it feel like to be a new immigrant, an experience I haven't had? I think about the patriotism one sometimes sees in new immigrants, the sense of pride in being part of America and the American story. I think, too, about the pull between this new country and new home and an old home and old country that won't ever be quite the same again. I remember talking with a a taxi driver that I had a while ago. I I don't know why I started talking to him about immigration, but, uh, but he told me about feeling as though he always had two suitcases that he carried around with him. His suitcase for this country and his suitcase from his old country. And he couldn't ever really unpack either of them all the way. They always were carried with him. Ketsuo Mauchi writes, Technically, I am an American. She is a child of immigrants. Technically, I am an American, but that label doesn't quite seem to fit. For much of my childhood, I felt tension between the culture I was immersed in at school and the culture that my mothers kept alive within our home, the one I returned to each night. I ate uh, milanesas and lomo saltado while my friends at school had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and spoke about their excitement for a holiday I never celebrated, Thanksgiving. I spoke Spanish until I felt too different from others. When I began primarily speaking English, people were shocked whenever they heard a pale girl say, yo soy Latina. That's when I started to feel neither South American nor North American. I was stuck in an uncomfortable in-between, a place from which I am still trying to free myself. Quetzal Mauchi wrote that in a beautiful photo essay that's in the New York Times Sunday Review this weekend. It includes reflections from children of immigrants about their experiences of being in between, pulled between two places, seen and in some cases seen themselves as neither fully American nor fully of their parents' home country either. You can get lost in those pictures and the reflections and words that go with them. And there's a truth somehow in them that transcends policy or at least has to inform it, I think. A truth about what it means to be American, what it means to be a border crosser, literally or in one's own family mythology, about the complicated and beautiful burden of two suitcases. There's a poem called America by Richard Blanco, I'll read just the beginning. The whole piece speaks to the two suitcases he carries. Although Tia Miriam boasted she discovered at least half a dozen uses for peanut butter, topping for guava shells and syrup, butter substitute for Cuban toast, hair conditioner, and relaxer, Mama never knew what to make of the monthly five-pound jars handed out by the immigration department until my friend Jeff mentioned jelly. We are a country of immigrants, a country that holds in its heart the promise of a new place just as much as the failures. 
For those of us who were born as American citizens and who perhaps have an immigration story that is several generations back as mine is, I think sometimes there's a a challenge in claiming that. The world is our country, we want to say. But what does America mean for us? What does America mean when we say, you know, we're going to just move to Canada if the next presidential election doesn't go our way? Remember saying that? And then remember other people saying that, and then back and forth? (laughs) There's a struggle, I think, often for progressives around patriotism, you know, when we see the failure of the American dream, the America that isn't, and wonder what it means to claim America for ourselves. What does it mean for me, a white American citizen who struggles to act as an ally to people of color, to immigrants, to be proud of my country? How do I honor the diversity and the beauty without smushing everything into that proverbial melting pot? And also without falling prey to exoticism and othering. How do I claim my own kind of Americanism, the one that's both my Russian Jewish great-grandparents and also the DAR? (laughs) How do I find the borders that are meaningful to me? without assuming those same borders exist for everyone. So I have another poem for you, another set of words I got lost in. This one is by Alice Walker, and it's called Patriot. It's from her 2003 poetry collection, Absolute Faith in the Goodness of the Earth. If you want to show your love for America, love Americans. Smile when you see one flower-like, his turban rose pink. Rejoice at the eagle feather in a grandfather's braid. If a sister bus rider's hair is especially nappy, a miracle in itself, praise it. How can there be homeless in a land so crammed with houses and young children sold as sex snacks, causing our thoughts to flinch and snag? Love your country by loving Americans. Love Americans. Salute the soul and the body of who we spectacularly and sometimes pitifully are. Love us. We are the flag. For me, at least, claiming America, claiming pride and patriotism is about listening to the voices, about loving Americans, as Alice Walker exhorts us. It's about hearing the voices of the people in our country, the people that make it up now and that will make it up in 10 years and in 20 years and in 30 years. It's one of the reasons that I'm so excited about the film festival is it tells the stories in their own words of people coming to America And for me, at least, in that listening, I come to a greater understanding of what America can be, as Langston Hughes said. 
I started with our bumper sticker, the world is my country, and it's still true for me in some ways. And then I think about the very end of our statement of purpose, a statement of purpose this community adopted just about two years ago, year and a half ago. Well, it kind of took us a while, actually, now that I think about it. So the process started, who knows when. At the very end of our statement of purpose, we have a phrase that we are a community where love and justice cross all borders. And I think perhaps that's where I end up on borders. I think about Thomas Paine, who wrote the quote that inspired our bumper sticker. You know, Thomas Paine was one of the great American patriots. He wrote Common Sense, which was central to the American Revolution. He helped to create a new country, new borders, new boundaries, for a reason, for a hope, a dream that he had about what that country would be like, about what those borders and boundaries might enclose. But he did it within the context of that quote, within what Wikipedia at least called an Enlightenment-era rhetoric of transnational human rights. So maybe that is what I want, transnational human rights, a country that is made stronger by all of our voices, and then outside of that country, across those borders, Policies that put an emphasis on the human, on the rights. That put an emphasis on the human across borders and despite borders and because of borders. Policies that are based on the voices and the stories. I close the platform then with one more voice I got lost in. A complicated and beautiful and hopeful voice. It sounds in some ways to me like a continuation of the conversation Langston Hughes began. This is My California by Lee Herrick. Here an olive votive keeps the sunset lit. The Korean 20-somethings talk about hyphens, graduate school, and good pot. A group of four at a window table in Carpinteria discuss the quality of wines in Napa Valley versus Lodi. Here in my California, the streets remember the Chicano poet whose songs still bank off Fresno's beer-soaked gutters and almond trees in partial blossom. Here in my California, we fish out long noodles from the foe with such accuracy you'd know we'd done this before. In Fresno, the bullets tire of themselves and begin to pray five times a day. In Fresno, we hope for less of the police state and more of a state of grace. In my California, you can watch the sun go down, like in your California, on the ledge of the pregnant 22nd century, the one with a bounty of peaches and grapes, red onions and the good salsa, wine and chapche. Here in my California, paperbacks are free, farmers markets are 24 hours a day and always packed. The trees and water have no nails in them. The priests eat well, the homeless eat well. Here in my California, everywhere is Chinatown, everywhere is K-Town, everywhere is Armenia Town, everywhere a little Italy. 
less confederacy. No internment in the valley. Better history texts for the juniors. In my California, free sounds and free touch, free questions, free answers, free songs from parents and poets, those hopeful bodies of light.